want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're looking at verses 4 through 11. And we're going to talk for a few minutes about how important it is to have those timely encounters with God. Timely encounters with God. First or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, starting. Peter writes, God made great and marvelous promises. How many of you are the recipients of some of those promises? Say amen. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then, what's important verse, then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. Boy, you ought to mark that in your Bible. If you don't have that one marked, you should. Let's look at it again. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become a part of us. And then we can escape the evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. Can't happen any other way. Can't do it any other way. For all of those of you that are trying to get better and then you're going to give your life to Jesus, you're just never going to give your life to Jesus that way. If you're waiting to get better first, you won't. You can't. There's not anything that you can do to ever get good enough that he would accept you on your own merit. He just can't. You're just not ever going to be that good. The only way you're going to get to be a part of his family is if you invite his son to be your Lord and Savior, and then the blood of his son will cover you, and the father will see the blood, and all of a sudden he'll like how you look, but he don't like how you look until. That's good preaching right there. We could stop right there, and we've had enough. But we won't. You know me too well. He goes on in verse 5. He says, so do your best to improve your faith. And you can do this by adding goodness and understanding and self-control and patience and devotion to God and concern for others and love. And if you keep growing in this way, it'll show that what you know about our Lord Jesus Christ has made your lives useful and meaningful. But if you don't grow... You're like someone who's nearsighted or blind and you've forgotten that your past sins are forgiven. My friends, you must do all that you can to show that God has really chosen and selected you. And if you keep on doing this, you won't stumble and fall. Boy, there's a good word in here somewhere, isn't there? If you keep on doing this, you won't stumble and fall. And then our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will give you a glorious welcome into his kingdom that will last forever. Now, these are some pretty great and marvelous promises right here, just these. The book, the Bible is filled with these promises, these great and marvelous promises. What are they? Man, we don't have time to talk about all of them here today, but there's a bunch of them. For the sake of our discussion and the time that we have allotted to this portion of the service, how about if we just mention a couple, though, these great and marvelous promises, things like salvation, that all who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ repent of their sins would be saved. How about that promise? How about the promise of redemption that Jesus has paid with his own life to buy all of us. And in his owning of us, no one else can. When he owns us, the devil can't. 
about that promise? How about his power promise? The promise that wait until you be endued with power from on high and when be filled with the spirit. How about that promise that we can be filled with power so that we can live a victorious and overcoming life, not a life of defeat and repented uh, and repenting and shame and and one step forward and two steps back. How many of you ever lived that? I've had to live that way before where it's one step forward and two back. I just hate having living like that. I'm thankful that there is a promise in the word that says I don't have to, but that I can live a victorious and overcoming life. I won't be sinless or sin free, but I can overcome. I don't have to get up every day thinking about the sins I'm going to commit. Instead, I'll live my life. And when I sin, I'll ask for forgiveness and I'll do it and he'll do it and we'll move on. The power that the Holy Spirit gives me, that's a great and marvelous promise. How about the promise of the resurrection? At that time when those in Christ shall rise and forever be with the Lord. What's going to happen there, Pastor? Well, someday, if the Lord tarries, you're going, to, you're going to pass away and they're going to put you in the ground one way or another. But you're not going to be left there. At the moment that you die, your spirit, your soul is going to be with the Lord. You're going somewhere to be with God. But someday, the Scripture says that even your body is going to be so excited. Soul may be gone, but your body is going to be so excited that... That, at the, that, that someday it's just going to rip out the graves. The resurrection. Jesus led us in the resurrection. And how about the promise of eternal life? I like eternal life. I love this life. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. We talked about it Wednesday night. If they're getting up a load to take out of here today, I really don't want to be on that bus. I'm still enjoying this life. With all that's bad and wrong with it, I still like part of it. Don't you? In fact, there's a lot of it that I like. I'm enjoying too much of it to want to leave just yet. But if he, if he decides to come and get us, I'll be thankful to go. And I know where we're going is going to be better than where I'm at. But I'm thankful for the idea of, of this eternal life that, that, that no matter what happens to this body, I am never going to die. I'm going to live forever. These are the promises. These are the, the great and the marvelous promises of God. And just the ones I've listed are more than enough to sustain us all the way to eternity. Yet I find something in this passage that we need to talk about. And it is my responsibility in all of this. This is a word that doesn't get preached and taught a lot. And when it does, it, if it does get talked about, it gets talked about from a sense of, of legalism and bondage. There's a fine line and a balance between what, how we need to determine what, what our responsibility is in all of this that we call our walk with Christ. I am not for adding works to grace. I get upset when people start trying to put things on folks, believers that don't belong. The Bible says that I am saved by my faith, not by my works, lest any man should boast. But I'll tell you something, if you stay saved one minute after you have accepted Christ, you live one minute past that, you need to start living, and that's your choice, a godly life. Some people get it in their mind because they say, well, we're not going to add any words to grace, so I'm going to give my heart to Christ and I'm going to live like the devil. No, you're not, because you didn't really. If you still want to live like the devil, then you didn't really give your heart to Christ. 
And if you really give your heart to the Lord, you're going to want to serve him and you're going to have some change in your life and there better be some change in your life. Now, all that you will do will be judged someday. And the scripture says you'll stand in judgment and, and, uh, and here will come the fire and, and uh, uh, all the, the, the wood, hay and stubble is going to be burned. The good things that you've done for Christ are going to be rewarded. You understand all that. Some people don't want to talk a lot about that because they want to, they don't want to think about that. They just want to think, okay, I've given my heart to the Lord. I'm going on with my life. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, but there's some things going to go on in between there. You, everybody's going to the, to judgment of some kind, either the judgment seat of Christ or great white throne judgment. If you find yourself at the great white throne judgment, you're facing the Father and you're on your way to hell and there's nothing we could do for you. That's not good. That means you just didn't do right here and give your heart to Christ. But when you find yourself at the judgment seat of Christ, there's where we're given our rewards. Given an account, we give an account of our life. Our name is in the book. Okay, your name's in the book. You're coming on in. But how many crowns are you going to have to throw at the feet of Jesus? Let's look and see. Let's see what your life's amounted to. What'd you do with your life? What you going to have to throw at his feet? And then that's where some people's works are going to burn up and they're going to be ashamed. They're going to heaven, but they're not going to have much to take with them. You say, I don't agree with that. I don't care if you agree with it or not. Take that up with the Lord. It's his word, not mine. So there's a responsibility in all of this for us. We're not just going to get off the hook by praying a prayer and then just coasting through life and getting into glory. These promises that were given allow God's nature to become a part of us. And when his nature becomes a part of us, we're held accountable for that. We're responsible. The scripture right there in verse 4 said it's at that point that we can escape the evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. There is a way out. There is an escape. If you want it, you can find it. There is a responsibility to the believer after they're saved in something, and that's what I'm about to show you. I don't want you to get discouraged because this is going to go to a really cool place here in a few minutes. But there's some things that you need to understand. You ought to get your pen out right now. They're so very simple. They're found right in these verses. Very, very simple stuff. No great theological uh, uh, masterful oration going to be given here today because I'm not capable of it. I'm going to give you the simple stuff. We're going to break it down. Look at this. Scripture says that I am called and I'm commissioned and I'm empowered to be his body on the earth, to do his will on the earth. But if I am constantly distracted by, by, by the cares of this life and, and by sin and, and life in general, then I most likely will be very ineffective in my calling. That's what's happening to a lot of people. They're not very effective in their calling because they're allowing life and all of the situations that befall them to keep them distracted from ever doing anything for God. Are you there? And too many Christians are waiting. They're, they're looking at cycles. They say, we get through this one, and we get to the next stage in life, then things are going to slow down, and we're going to serve Christ. It's not ever going to slow down. This is, you're living what is called life, and you're living it as a result of the curse of Adam and Eve, and that's just the way it is, and we've got the Holy Spirit to help us get through it, and we're going to a better place, but right now, this is life. It's where we are, and somehow, you're going to have to figure out how to be able to do your ministry and answer to the Father in light of all the bad that happens around you. You just, you can't just hide and coast 
and beg and wait for it to be over. You're here for a reason, and you're going to give an account for that reason someday. And the devil's going to try to distract you in any way that he can to keep you from ever fulfilling your calling and your purpose. He'll do it with your kids. He'll do it with illness. He'll do it with money. He'll do it with anything he can think of. He will try some way to keep you distracted. How are you going to be effective? You're here for a reason. How are you going to fulfill your purpose on this earth? How are you going to do it? The scripture said that there's something that we can do. Now, Peter is not trying to add works to grace. He's just trying to inform us that we have responsibility in all this. So Peter tells us these three things. Number one, now this is the person that has received Christ. This is after you've come to the knowledge of the saving grace of Christ. You've received him as your savior. You say, okay, I thought I was done. No, you're not. Now, that, now, what else happens after that? Well, we're saved, and then, we're, then the Scripture says we're to take communion. We understand that. We're supposed to be baptized in water. We understand that. We're supposed to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We understand that. But I'm talking about beyond that, here is what the, P- Peter is telling us in these verses. Our responsibility is to this relationship with Christ. Number one, he says, verse 5, do your best. That doesn't mean... Live your life and hope it turns out well. And anything in this life that you want to do, you have to put forth effort if you want to be a part of it. Any kind of team sports you want to play, I'm telling you, when your kids are little, you know, when they're little bitty, anybody can be on the t-ball team. But how ruffled our feathers get sometimes as those kids start getting older, it's with anything. It's, it could be sports. It's academics. In, in, in any area, there are certain people that excel at that thing, and then the, the cream of the crop rises to the top. It just does. But it won't rise without applying itself. I don't care how smart the kid is. He's not going to have a 4.0 average if he just flat does nothing to make that happen. The, teachers, the teacher can tell the parents, this kid is off the chart smart. This kid has got more potential, can be anything they want to be in life. But the bottom line, it finally boils down to the kid. And what are they going to do with their potential? And so in the body of Christ, every one of us have been given potential. And the scripture's telling us that we need to do our best. It won't happen on its own. Doing your best won't just happen just like anything else in life won't just happen. I'm telling you, I, 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 you know, I played a few sports growing up, and, I, and as you get older, you don't just get on a team because you want to be on the team. You get on the team because you're one of the best ones there, and that's why they take you. They pick you. They hand-select you, and you go and you find your name on the list. It's that way with all kinds of things, not just sports. you got to learn how to excel at something if you want to be a part of the group the older that you get. So we're talking about Christians maturing in their spiritual walk with Christ. It's not enough for you just to get saved and be a baby and expect the rest of us to take care of you the rest of your life till Jesus comes after you. At some point, you've got to grow up and take care of babies. It's good now. Get with me. It won't get no better. Not going to get any easier. Peter says, at this point, you're to do your best. And he even lists things for you to work at bettering in your life. Well, I was hoping these things were spiritual gifts, that they would just happen on their own. Well, that's not what Peter's saying. Peter's saying you've got to do your best to be good. It's in there. Look at it. 
Do your best to be good. Some people say, I'm not trying to be good. I'm saved and it don't matter. No. Peter said, you got to do your best. Even after you're saved, you still do your best to be good. To be understanding. To be self-controlled. Somebody say amen. To be patient. To be devoted. To be concerned. To be loving. Because he said, if you're growing in these ways, it shows that you're getting more mature and useful to God's work. You know, you have to work out to get strong and to get in shape. It won't happen any other way. Now, it depends on the degree you want to do that. If you want to really get strong and you got to hit weights, you got to hit the weights. You got to work out and you got to do it consistently. You can't just... Guys, you can't just walk into the gym. Every time you walk in the gym, it's what some guys want to do when they lift. They want to walk in every single time, which is about once every six months, and they want to put as much weight on and see what they can max. I'm going to tell you something. That's a good way to get tore up and hurt yourself real bad. You set goals. You, you work in increments. You set cycles. You do particular sets and reps, and you do these. You keep building up, and you, it's a psychological thing. You make your mind strong along with your body as you're going. You say, well, I'm past that, Pastor. I don't give a rip about all that anymore. I just want to stay in shape. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to stay in shape, you will not stay in shape just sitting on your couch. Well, Paul said physical exercise profits little. It, well, he said it profits some or he wouldn't have said little. Spiritual things profit you more in the long haul, but depending on what you want to get out of this life. Now, I'm not, boy, I got to be real careful. I don't want to get mean and ugly, but I'm going to tell you, a lot of folks in this world has got a thyroid problem that really just need to back up from the table. You blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. Bottom line is, if you're putting 5,000 calories in your body a day, you're not going to continue to be able to get in that dress you wore or those pants you wore when you graduated from high school for long. I don't weigh 165 pounds anymore. And I don't look like I did when I graduated from high school. Why? Because I figured out what a biscuit was. And I know where there's some sausage gravy. Huh? If, if The only way you stay in shape is you got to move. Now, I'm going to tell you something about walking. That's all you got to do. You walk and you exercise. You, you eat right. You can stay in shape. That's good, but you got to do something. You got to keep doing something or else your, your bodies weren't designed to just be sedentary. They weren't designed. They were designed to work hard. They need to work. If you can't figure out when the last time was you broke a sweat, then when you go home today, then, then go home and step up and down on the curb like three times and you'll do it. I'm doing some good teaching here. He says you got to do your best. Now, working out's not going to make my family love me anymore. It just makes me in better shape to be able to help them, and it's going to cause me, hopefully, to live longer to be here to help them. Now, in that same frame of mind, these things that Paul or that Peter told us to do here about being good and understanding all that, they're not going to make God love you more. They're just going to make you more available for him to use. 
That's why you're doing your best. You're not doing your best because you're trying to earn points or merits or, or get farther into heaven or get more recognition. You're doing your best because you're trying to make yourself, you're trying to crucify your body and beat yourself, beat yourself into submission as far as in the spirit. You're trying to do those things so that God will be able to use you. You won't be the Christian that you need to be by being lazy and ignorant. So you got to get in the word. I'm shocked at the kind of people that I hear from time to time. Talking about how they, they leave their church because they're not being fed. Don't. Hey, listen, if that's why you're here, don't tell me. I, I'm glad to see you, but don't tell me that because I have a picture in my mind about people that aren't being fed. They're lazy. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you my theory on that. If I get hungry, I find me something to eat. And I don't wait for somebody to give it to me once a week. Am I right? I guarantee you, I know where the kitchen is and I'm able to go in there and find me something. And I'm bad. I'm religious about that more than anything in my life. I'll find my way into the kitchen three or four times a day. There don't have to be another soul in there at all. I don't need nobody. I'll go in there and find me something. You come in there and find me posted up in front of the refrigerator. I'm going to find me something to eat. So when people say to me, I'm having to leave because I'm, I'm starving to death. I'm not being fed. Well, why aren't you eating all week? Why are you waiting on a person to feed you one time a week? Why are you waiting on that? Get in the word. That's lazy if you're hungry and you're not eating is because you're lazy. The scripture said, do your best. Get in the word. You get in the word. Me get in the word. You pray. Me pray. You be faithful to God's house. You give. You be involved in ministry. These are the things you do when you're doing your best. Now, again, it's not to earn salvation, but it's to make yourself available to the Lord so that he can bless and use you. Number two, then he says, do all you can. He said, do your best. And then number, and then number two, verse 10, do all you can. I don't like the sound of that one, pastor. Because I could do more than what I'm doing. Well, most of us could. But Peter talks about why that's important because he said, Boy, I want you to get this in your spirit. God really chose you. Did you hear that? God really chose you. He, that means he selected you. And so that verse is telling you there, Peter's saying, do all that you can to show that. It's not that you're trying to boast, but rather that you're conveying to the lost that they could have the same joy and the same peace that you have by coming to faith in Christ. So you're praying to be a witness. You're looking for ways to share his love because you understand that the lost are going to go to hell without Jesus. So Peter says, do all you can to keep that from happening. So do your best to make yourself a Bible and then do all you can to keep other people from being lost. And then thirdly, verse 10, keep on doing. That's big. Because now we're talking about consistency and constancy. The focus on keeping on will help you stay where you need to be with God. 
And and then he says someday that God will give you a glorious welcome into his kingdom. But until then, Peter says, we're to keep on doing. There's no point. There's I do not see a retirement plan in scripture. I do not see a place in there where at some point people are where they're allowed to say, "Okay, I've done mine. I'm sitting down. I mean, we may get tired and we may have carried the load for a long time. I understand all that. But the, the, the retirement plan is great in that the when you retire, the Lord says you're finished and he takes you to heaven until then. You're to do your best, do all you can and keep on doing. It's a good thing we're not having a pastoral vote when this service is over, huh? So I get it, but my question is now how? Because I want to be obedient. I want to work for Jesus. I want to have power to live an overcoming life. But how? And this for the, this is where we're going. I'm about to conclude. Seriously, I'm about to wrap it up. I'll give you the meat now. I'm going to just wrap it up by saying this is how. Because you're like, I'm with you. I want to do my best. I, 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 want, I want to do all I can. I want to keep on doing. But how am I going to keep up that pace? How am I going to do it as a lifestyle? How? Am I right? Anybody want to know how? The answer is this. Timely encounters with God. That's the only way. You have to have these charging up sessions. Because you're going to get drained and you're going to get weak and at times you're going to feel unproductive. But you have to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is there for you. And you have to keep plugging into that resource that Jesus sent us when he ascended to the Father. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you have to keep being filled with him. Because he's your source of strength. We learn about that, that he'll, that he's the one that will fill us. He'll guide us. He'll instruct us. He helps us accomplish all those things that Peter was talking about earlier today. So this is not a long message, but it, but it's a, a necessary one for sure. The power and the help of the Holy Spirit are some of those great and marvelous promises that Peter talked about in verse four today. And I started thinking about some of those encounters because timely encounters with God change your life. I mean, they literally change your life. What I mean by that is you can never be the same after you have a timely encounter with God. I could take you all the way through scripture. I won't tell you all the stories, but my lands, we go back, we talk about Moses, his encounter. How about that one? Abraham's. How about Gideon's? Talk about Paul's encounter. That one's a life changer, isn't it? Getting knocked off the old donkey. I mean, we could go, we can just keep walking through Scripture and talk about the heroes of the faith. And almost, almost invariably, when you look at them, you, you, you see what they accomplished in life, but you can point back at some point in their life where that something kick-started that and it was an encounter with God. I've had encounters with God. If you, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, that I've seen his face or literally seen his face, but I'm telling you, I've seen God in a lot of ways and I've heard him many times and I've had some encounters with him and every time I've ever had an encounter with God, it left me changed for the better. Every time that, every time that I know he specifically spoke to me, that's life changing. And I can always fall back on those encounters when I'm going through that desperate, discouraged season. When you're going through that time, you're going through that difficult time and you say, man, I, you know, this is tough. But I remember 
what God told me. I can remember a specific prophecy that was given to me years ago, and I think about it over and over and over whenever I go through a difficult time. I'll stop and I'll remember what that person told me according to Scripture that God had said. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that then. If that's the case, I can do that. You got to have those times because otherwise, you know, you get, you get discouraged. You know what will get you out of discouraged time? An encounter with God. You know, you know what will get you through a, 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 an illness? An encounter with God. What will get you through a, a, a time where you're trying to make a really serious decision? An encounter with God. You need that encounter. So when Peter was talking about we can't add works to faith, but he said you still got to do all you can, do your best and keep on doing it, he wasn't just throwing us out there and saying, and by the way, you're on your own. Old Pete knew about the day of Pentecost. He knew a little bit about what we now call Acts 2 and 4. He was there on that day that the Holy Spirit fell like cloven tongues of fire. He was a part of that encounter. In fact, he's the guy that got up and preached and 3,000 people got saved that day. They didn't before. Before he had that encounter, he was running. He was running scared. But now he's preaching publicly and thousands are coming to know Christ. An encounter, a personal, timely encounter with God will always change your life. The cool thing about the encounter is you don't just have to have one. You know, I, I remember having them when I was a kid. Then I, when I was 12 or 13, I can also remember when I was 18 or 19. I can remember various times throughout my life when I needed it. And I made myself available to the Lord that I would have another one of those timely encounters and then I would be set to go again through the next season. Why am I saying all this? Because I think that we need a day like today. It's early for us. We usually get done a little bit later than this. We've done our singing. We've done our giving. We've done our announcements. We've done everything. We did that all purposely. It's all done to get to right here. So that now we could just open up this house and have a timely encounter with God. And when he's done with you, go home. Huh? Go home and feast on that. Dwell on it. Well, pastor, we have a one o'clock service. I understand that. But I'll tell you something about those folks in that one o'clock service. They like having encounters with God too. And if we're in the midst of church when they get here, they'll roll right in and we'll just keep right on going. I'm telling you, nothing's not going to scare them. There, there may be some of you sitting here this morning saying, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't, need, a, I don't need a touch from God. And that's fine. If you, if, you don't, if you don't want to be a part of that, that's fine. Or some of you are like, you've just never seen anything like this before. And you're like, you know what, I, I got a feeling y'all fixing to start being Pentecostal. I'm going to freak out. I don't know nothing about no Pentecost. I'm going to freak out real bad. The good thing about that, I mean, is... Folks won't know it. They just think you're full of the Holy Spirit if you start freaking out. Everything we do is decent and in order. We know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Nothing going to happen that gets out of line. But what we are going to do is we're going to give you a chance. 
For some of you, you don't, you don't want to come and stand in a prayer line. Some of you are just like, you know what? This is in my heart, man. This word is in my heart. Just give me an opportunity. I want to crawl off in a corner and pray. Go, go do it. Go do it. Some of you are like, I just want to get up and I just really, I just want to walk around this place and pray. Then do it. I don't care. Not going to scare me. Some of you are like, I want to come and I want to kneel down in one of these seats or around these altars. I just want to pray. Come on. That's fine. But there will be some of you that say, you know what, I, 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 wanna, I want somebody to pray with me. And if that's the case, we'll pray with you. We'll lay hands on you and we'll pray with you. I'm going to tell you something. We're, we're just going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit this morning and hope that the Holy Spirit will just take over and lead this time. But Neil's going to come back and he's going to lead us in worship. Just set that tone for worship to music. And we're not going to do anything, try to hype you up or anything. I'm telling you, this is strictly between you and God. If he moves, he moves. If he doesn't, he doesn't. There's nothing I can do to make it happen. I'm not going to drum it up. I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to pull out the the uh, the televangelist uh, tricks or anything like that. I'm not going to do it. We're just going to have a time, a season, a session where the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. And the encounter you have with him will be different than it is for the person next to you. That's just how it is. We're not looking for folks to come and fall down. We're not looking for folks to take off running. I'm just telling you, whatever happens, happens. We're not going to make none of it happen. We're going to just let the Holy Spirit deal with you because you need an encounter. If you need an encounter with God, stand to your feet. Whoever I'm talking to, you need an encounter with God, stand to your feet.